0: It's time to be equipped with spiritual battle. Defending the Faith is a show to train Christians worldwide to be effective teachers and speakers on the subject of biblical creation so that the next generation can stand firm on the biblical truth and defend their faith. Now, here is your host of Defending the Faith, Mike Riddle. Welcome to Defending the Faith. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and we're coming to you from KBXL 94.1 FM, The Voice. And we are located in... Boise, Idaho. Now, we have a ministry called Creation Training Initiative, or just CTI. And what we do in this ministry is we train Christians how to defend their faith, just as Paul did in the book of Acts. We see over and over again, he reasoned with the people. But we also have training courses that prepare you to speak and teach about biblical creation, and the subject of apologetics, which are great courses for all Sunday school teachers and Christian school teachers. To find out more about these courses, you can go to our website, creationtraining.org. That's creationtraining, all one word, .org. Also on our website, you'll find we have my PowerPoint slides for many of my talks. You can download those for free. We have over 80 30-minute 30-minute videos that you can look at for free, even download them. We have information about our training courses and even how to have us come to your church or school, how to do a request to have us come to your church or school and do one of our training courses or just do a lecture on one of our topics. To contact us, you can do that via email. That's info, I-N-F-O, at creationtraining.org. So that's a little bit about who we are, and again, this is Mike Riddle from Defending the Faith, and we're going to do a topic here. It's going to take two weeks to get this topic in. It's called 20 Mistakes Made by the Evolutionists. We're just keeping it to 20. We could have a whole lot more, but we're going to go through 20 very famous mistakes done by the evolutionist community. So we'll do 10 of the day and 10 next week let's start with our first mistake. It is called Piltdown Man. This fossil was discovered in 1912. They found a portion of a human skull, portion of a lower ape-like jaw. So there we have it, part human, part ape, and they call this the missing link. The missing link between ape-like creatures and humans. It was featured in textbooks and journals and lasted almost 50 years in the public education system as the Fact of evolution. Proof that we evolved from ape-like creatures. But in 1953, it was discovered to be a fraud. The whole thing was a fraud, folks. There's evolution for you. What had happened is they somebody had found portions of a human skull, portions of an ape-like jaw, filed the teeth down to make them fit, chemically stained them, to make them appear old. Incidentally, these were dated at 500,000 years when they were less than 100 years old. So there's your dating methods right there also. So Piltdown Man, famous mistake, a fraud, fooled most all the evolutionist community and unfortunately was taught to our children as evolution. Well, let's go to famous mistake number two. This is called Nebraska Man. Found in 1922. Claimed to be 1 million years old. When a, within a few months after the discovery, an article was published in the Science Journal as the new missing link. They must have found a lot of evidence for this one. Why? They were able to reconstruct the entire Nebraska man, wife, family. They're all that was on display. The proof of evolution, Nebraska man. How much evidence did they really find? A tooth, a single tooth, and then their imagination went wild and they constructed a Nebraska man as a missing link. Well, later, the rest of the fossil went with that tooth was discovered and it wasn't the tooth of a human, it wasn't even the tooth of an ape, it was the tooth of an extinct pig-like creature. That was the first time a pig ever made a monkey out of a man. So mistake number two, Nebraska man. Well, let's go to number three. This is called the coelacanth fish. This was declared by evolutionists to be extinct for 70 million years. How did they know that? I don't know, but you cannot do that scientifically. But they declared it extinct for 70 million years. And they also said this coelacanth fish was evolving. It was a transition between a fish and amphibian. In other words, the fins were turning into legs. That was the claim, this was what's taught in the schools. Well, amazing thing was discovered. In 1938, guess what the scientists discovered? Living coelacanth fishes. They were not extinct for 70 million years, they were still living. Now, what did they look like? Well, number one, there was no transitional form in them all, there were no legs on this creature. They looked exactly like fish. It was a big mistake by the evolutionists again. And here's another question. If they declared this was extinct for 70 million years, and we still have coelacanth fish living today, why didn't we find any fossils younger than 70 million years? Or maybe something's drastically wrong with their dating methods. So there's three mistakes. Piltdown man, Nebraska man, the coelacanth fish, all taught in our school systems, all completely wrong scientifically. Well, let's go to mistake number 4. This is called junk DNA. You see about 2 to 3% of our DNA codes or codes for making proteins. Therefore, the evolutionists just consider the rest of our DNA as junk DNA. They claim about 98% of our DNA is junk. Only about 2%, 2 to 3% coding for making proteins. In other words, the other 98% is considered to be a wasteland of DNA that was discarded as we humans evolved, left over from our days of evolving, just sitting there as junk. Did you know that is taught in our public school systems today as a fact, when the real facts are do not support that? See, all this has changed. A few years ago, the ENCODE Project, E-N-C-O-D-E Project, it's an acronym for Encyclopedia of DNA Elements. Now, the ENCODE project consists of 400 scientists in 32 different laboratories studying what they call junk DNA, where they released their findings in 30 papers published in different scientific journals. The result was they estimated that at least 80% of our genome is functional and not junk. Do you know our schools have not caught up to modern science. They're still teaching outdated and incorrect science to help support evolutionism. We need to make sure all our science teachers get informed of real science and don't get snuckered by this evolution teaching. Now, here's a quote from ENCODE's leading analysis coordinator, and he stated, in light of this evidence, it's obvious that that a more appropriate term for junk DNA is needed. Yes, it is. It is very functional DNA. He also further stated, we are the most complex complex things we know about. It's not surprising that the manual is huge. I think it's going to take this century to fill in all the details. Yes, God does not make junk, ladies and gentlemen. We'll find out that 100% of our DNA is very useful. Right now they've know that's over 80%, but in our schools, still teaching two percent. See, this finding is completely inconsistent with an evolutionary worldview and also with what is being taught in the education system. Once again, evolutionists are wrong. And once again, our education system has been teaching wrong information to support evolutionism. We see We can go to the Bible to get a lot more accurate information and a lot better science. For instance, we read in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, for you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. See, it is God who created us. We did not evolve from a lesser type Creature. You want to understand good science? Go to the Bible. You get the foundation for many, many parts of our science out there, sciences. Well, let's go to famous mistake number five. And again, they're still teaching this one in the public schools. It is called vestigial organs. V E S T I G I A L. Vestigial organs. Well, first we need to define what is a vestigial organ. Well, these are structures, according to evolutionists, that have no useful function, but which represent the remains of organs that once had some use. Now, they're leftover organs from our evolving days from an ape-like creature, and we don't need them anymore. For over 100 years, evolutionists have continued to use vestigial organs as evidence of evolution, and it is still being used in our public schools. For instance, modern textbooks still claim vestigial organs as proof of evolution. However, claiming an organ is useless does not tell us where it came from. Let's take a look at just three of these so-called useless organs: the appendix, tonsils, and the cossacks. Well, the appendix and appendix and tonsils, tonsils, as it turns out, are actually part of our immune system. See, they don't tell our students this. So what in the world are they learning in these schools? Certainly not science when it comes to understanding where we came from, it's all called evolutionism. Let me read you a quote by an evolutionist in the journal New Scientist. Now this is an evolutionist journal, and here's a quote that was in that journal in 2003. Although it, is, it used to be believed that the appendix had no function and was an evolutionary relic, this is no longer thought to be true. Its greatest importance is the immunological function it provides in the developing embryo, but it continues to function even in the adult. Why can't our public schools teach science anymore? Because they're so indoctrinated by evolution. This is why our students continue to repeat the mistakes over and over again. They're not being allowed to learn good science when it comes to origins. Even though some of the beneficial functioning of the appendix have been known for decades, it's still being taught as a vestigial organ. Well, let's look at our cossacks, commonly called our tailbone. It is really not a tailbone. It is not a vestigial organ. It is an anchor point for many muscles, even the anchor point for the entire pelvic diaphragm. Could you live without your cossacks? Yes, you could, but it would be very difficult. Likewise, we can live without our appendix and tonsils. Yes, we can live without them. We know many people have had their appendix move when I was young, in the old days, last century. People, doctors would just automatically take your tonsils out because they were considered to be a useless organ. Well when they did that, diseases started coming in. See, there's evolution again, uh, not beneficial to mankind at all. serves no useful function, evolution does. But they were taking tonsils out. I'd mind taking out just because they were there. They're considered useless, but they are part of your immune system. So again, Another major mistake, and they continue to teach that major mistake in the school systems. We need to make sure our secular colleges train the next generation of teachers to understand science and learn critical thinking skills, learn how to ask questions. I wonder how they know that's true. Have that ever been observed, or are they making any assumptions here? Wouldn't it be nice if we trained that to our teachers? Well, let's go to mistake number six, called The flying dinosaur, the dinosaur with feathers, named Archaeoraptor. This was considered to be a transition between a dinosaur and a bird. Archaeoraptor. It was featured in the 1990s in the National Geographic Journal as the missing link. What happened to our dinosaurs? They evolved into birds. They even had colored pictures in National Geographic with this dinosaur creature with feathers all over it, knowing how to fly. Well, there was another mistake with that one also. Number one, they smuggled the bones out of China. Secondly, they had pasted on feather imprints onto the fossils. The whole thing was a fraud. But yet there, in National Geographic and being taught in our school systems, was the fact That dinosaurs evolved into birds. Another great mistake by our evolutionists and our public education system. See, if we call that a public education system, they should do a better job than this, or we should stop calling it public education. Take the word education off if they're not willing to teach good science. Well, let's go to mistake number seven. This is called the Miller Experiment. In 1953, Stanley Miller was doing his postgraduate graduate work and was running an experiment. And what he wanted to show is that we can get the building blocks of life in a laboratory through natural processes. Now, we're not talking about getting life. What Miller wanted to show is we can get these things called amino acids. Now, what are amino acids? Well, those are the molecules that make up proteins. See, we have atoms, basic unit of matter. Atoms will form together to make molecules, and some of those molecules are amino acids. And amino acids will bond together to make proteins. Sir Miller built a scientific experiment in his laboratory, and he put certain gases in the experiment, such as methane, ammonia, and he left oxygen out for a good, for a good reason, and we'll discuss that. Then he generate electrical sparks to drive the chemical reactions. Then it goes on in the textbooks to state Miller got amino acids. And they, they even say, it's still in the textbooks since 1950s, that Miller got components used in life. Well, that is partially true. Miller did get amino acids. But you see, here's another problem with our textbooks and what's being taught. They're not telling the whole story. Why don't they tell the whole story? Because the whole story shows that the Mill experiment was a complete failure and refutes evolutionism. They're not allowed to do that in public schools today. They are forced to teach evolution rather than good science. Here are the problems. Well... Miller left oxygen out of the experiment. Why did he do that? Well, Miller was a very smart man. We have to give him credit. He was a very smart man. He knew, as we know today, through observable and repeatable science, that in the presence of oxygen, life could never get started. See, oxygen is like a corrosive. It destroys chemical bonds. And in the origin of life scenario, these chemicals, these molecules are not protect it yet. They don't have a cell membrane or a wall going around them yet. They're just out in the open. And oxygen would destroy them. But here's something else they don't teach in the schools besides life can't start in the presence of oxygen. If there was no oxygen in our atmosphere, as Miller concluded and other scientists concluded, that in the early atmosphere there could not have been oxygen in order to support their scenario for the origin of life. If there was no oxygen, that means there's no ozone because the ozone's made out of oxygen. And if there's no ozone, we have, do not have the protection from the sun's rays. And guess what happens to all these unprotected molecules? They are fried. So we know from observable and repeatable science, life could not start with oxygen or could not start without oxygen. But, you know, they don't teach that in the schools. They just say Miller got the building blocks of life. He got amino acids used in life. Well, here's another problem with the mill experiment that they don't talk about. Life can't start in water either. See, the scenario they give today is life started in the bottom of the oceans with hot vents down there providing the heat. Well, the problem with water is this. There's a word called hydrolysis. Hydro means water. Hydrolysis literally means water splitting. You see, life could never begin in water, no matter what the heaty conditions are down, down there in the bottom of the ocean are like. Because water destroys chemical bonds. That is a known fact. So life can't start with or without oxygen, and it could not start in water anyway. And all that's left out of the textbooks. But Miller did get amino acids. Well, here's another problem they don't teach our students. When will we start getting to the education part of public education? You see, amino acids come in two shapes. We call, refer to them as left-handed and right-handed amino acids. They have the same atoms, same components. They're just mirror images of each other. Well, what Miller got was an even mixture of left and right-handed amino acids. That is not life. That is about as far away from life as you can get. See, life requires 100% left-handed amino acids. In other words, all amino acids in all proteins in life are left-handed. Miller did not get that. Matter of fact, every experiment we've ever done since the Miller experiment always ends up with 50% left-handed and about 50% right-handed. That is like a poison in life. Life requires 100% left-handed amino acids, but yet they don't teach that in the schools either. We really have a problem with their education system. See, they're being bound by the law, Not to be able to do education. They're being forced to do non-education and teach things that simply are not true. So there's mistake number seven. Now let's get mistake number eight, the origin of stars. And you read in our textbooks today, exactly what the evolution scientists are teaching, that star, new stars are forming all the time. And they talk about how this happens. They get these Big gas and dust clouds called nebula, and they rotate around and around and around. And as they rotate around, they begin to gravitationally collapse inward and eventually form a new star. Folks, that simply does not agree with known science. Yes, these gas and dust clouds are out there, and yes, they rotate around, and because of the rotation and gravity, they begin to collapse inward. But as they do so, they generate heat pressure. This is what they're not teaching. That heat pressure can be measured, and it is always stronger than the gravity, always causing the clouds to expand outward, not inward. Another great mistake. Well, let's go to mistake number nine. And this mistake says this, that humans and chimps are closely related. Why? Because in our DNA, we're only about 2% different. Only 2% difference in our DNA between humans and chimpanzees. Well, this claim goes back to 1973. It was done, and this is what they don't teach, using only a portion of the human and chimp DNA. You see, the whole genome was not mapped back in 1973. So what they're doing, what they were putting out in the textbooks, was incomplete evidence, false information. See, the human genome has about 3 billion letters, And here's something else they won't say. If we were, in fact, only 2% different from chimpanzees in our DNA, that 2% would amount to 60 million differences. See, they don't put that number in the textbooks. That's just left out. But here's the real science. Research today, after comparing the entire genomes, now we've looked at the chimpanzee genome, we've mapped out the genome. Now that we compare the entire genome, we're not 2% different. We're about 20% different which is hundreds of millions of differences this is a big mistake by the evolutionist however it's still being taught in the public schools here's a quote by brian thomas he has his ma in biotechnology and he says if we were only 15 percent different in our dna from chimpanzees this means quote this means that 450 million letters distinguish human from chimp dna Even after 6 million years, no known natural process could begin to write such an immense library of information. Folks, we're about 450 million letters different in our DNA from chimpanzees. We're not even close, but they're not allowed to teach that in the public system. Let's start referring to it as the public system versus the public education system. Well, let's get to number 10. Big mistake. Is called rejection of the truth. They claim there is no creator God. But we read in the Bible, it is God who created all things. In Colossians 1, 16 and 17, we read, For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. The evolutionists are ignoring, in our public education system, is ignoring that truth. They're also ignoring the truth. We find in Romans 1, 19, 20, that God's word states that we are without excuse, and it reads, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen." being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Finally, it says this. His word states that no matter what you have done, his mercy and his grace are big enough to cover it all. Now, you can find out about this creator by reading his book, The Bible. I'm Mike Riddle, and this has been Defending the Faith on KBXL 94.1 FM. Again, you can find us on the web at creationtraining.org. This whole ministry is funded by your donations. This radio show we're doing here is funded by your donations. If you'd like to help us, help us train others, Christians, about the truth of science, about the truth of God's creation, You can donate to this ministry. You can mail your checks to CTI, that's CTI, Post Office Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho, 83616. That's CTI, Post Office Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho, 83616. Or you can donate online by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Let's make sure we get this next generation trained properly that the science does support God's Word and stop the compromise that's coming in to many of our churches and Christian schools. Again, I'm Mike Riddle. This has been Defending the Faith. Thank you, and God bless. That's all for today's show. Defending the Faith airs each Saturday at noon right here on KBXL 941 The Voice. For more teachings and resources, visit creationtraining.org or the program archive page on 941thevoice.com.